When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And Bede rolling in and slams for two as he just blew by Towns. Towns comes over and gives him that Matador defense. I ain't getting in your way, big fella. You know, in the first half, I think we were one, one for 13. So that... I, I thought the shots were good ones we didn't make. Um, and then, you know, putting them at the line hurt us. Uh, yeah. Alan Horton in the house. Gentlemen, the, uh, how 11 are o'clock you? Hour. What's going on we're, at Wolves it's, Radio? It's been a long time. It's been too long. Well, last night was fun. Um, until, <laughs> until like, soccer, they had to bring out stretchers in the middle of the court to wheel off the exhausted players of the Wolves. Gosh, is that what happened last night? Uh, 48 minutes for Towns. I, you know, like when you watch those soccer games and players just pass out from exhaustion? Yeah. That's what I thought Taj Gibson was going to do at the end of the third quarter last night. It was, um, you know, it was a fun game last night. It really was. And, and you've got two up-and-coming teams. I mean, Embiid and Simmons, and, and you've got Towns and Jimmy Butler doing what he did last night. And it was a really unique game, too, because you had Jimmy going for 38. You had Philly just literally throwing the ball out of bounds constantly. I mean, 26 turnovers is what they God, finished with. Yeah. Um, and, and yet the Wolves' three-point shooting was 5 for 29. So you had these great discrepancies in things, in the turnovers, the three-point shooting. And it was like 1 for 20 at one point. It was really, yeah, until Jimmy hit the the two late in regulation, yeah. um, which you thought might swing the game. I, really, it came down, you know, with six minutes to go in that game, the Wolves were up by nine, and they forced Brett Brown and the Sixers to call a timeout. And I really felt like that was the tipping point right there. You've got a nine-point lead. If you get, you make two more plays, you get a stop and a score, mm-hmm. you push that to double digits, uh, the game is essentially over. It was that close. But what happened was Philly came out of that timeout, and and then they didn't they, they they regrouped and they hit ten of their final thirteen shots. The Wolves couldn't get a stop down the stretch, and so a lot of the issues that you guys have been talking about this morning, you know, while valid, really come down. It's such a fine line in this game where if if the Wolves get those two plays out of that timeout with six minutes left, you know, we're not talking about all this because the Wolves come away with a, with a rather comfortable win. Can you tell I'm on a ledge if you have been listening this morning? <laughs> you might have to talk me off this over the next hour or so. So where, where is this team, uh, basically, with your expectations at the start of the, the year, where is this team compared to, to those? Is this about where you thought that they would be? I mean, I guess my biggest thing is it's not the record. It's how things have played out and the eye test and some of the decisions that have surprised me, not in a huge way, but at least yeah. a little bit. It's uh, it's always interesting, too, between the micro and the macro. When you look at the micro and the individual games and some of the issues that present themselves like last night, 
Um, and, but then you step back and you say, okay, this, 16, this team is 16 and 12. They are, I didn't check the standings this morning, fourth or fifth in the West. Um, they're right there below that next tier of Golden State, Houston, San Antonio, which is where you were hoping they would be. Yeah. I don't think anybody really thought that they would be at a level to compete with those teams right away. Um, so when you step back and look at it, 16 and 12, you're right where you want to be. Uh, they got through a difficult early part of the season with a lot of travel going in and out. Um, and, and you've put yourself in a beautiful position. And then when you do dive into the micro and you look at a, a certain game and you look at the fourth quarter struggles, you look at the minute totals, um, you look at the bench not being able to contribute too much, um, then it's a different story. So it's it's kind of that balance between looking at those two things. Yes. Uh, okay, who's most likely? Now, B Elites is going to come back at some point and, and be, you know, much, he was he was great early in the year. In fact, he was one of the best three-point shooters in yeah. the league for he the led first. led the NBA for a yeah. long time. There. So he's a huge boost. But yeah. They have to get five or six minutes out of Shabazz, or there's a couple guys that they just have to find five, eight minutes for. I mean, the dude, the the French kid that came off the bench for Philadelphia last night, he gives you four minutes. Timote is how you pronounce his first name. Timote is so Timote Luawu TLC, and yeah. I've actually been told whoa, by a couple whoa. of people you can just skip the final part of it. They just go Timote Luawu. How many times did you practice that before the game yesterday? Oh, well, I remember him from last year, and I and once you get in the habit of saying it's kind of fun to say. It Timote is Timote Luawu Luawu. Flows off pl- the tongue right there. Ah, it's great. He plays four minutes, knocks down a three, picked mm-hmm. up a couple fouls, but yep. grabbed a rebound, and it wasn't a train wreck. Yep. And it gave JJ Redick at least two, three, four minutes to rest. Instead of playing 40, he plays 35, and now he has legs at the end of the game, and that stuff matters. So if Shabazz can just give you, at some point, five minutes of defense or... Uh, or whatever it is, that matters, I think. It does. Now, let's go back to the beginning of the year because Tibbs was playing a five-man bench unit right off the bat. Yep. And for a good two, three, four weeks, um, it was it was Tyus Jones, Jamal Crawford, it was Shabazz, it was Belly, and it was uh, Gorgie Jang. And then, um, you know, with that bench not playing well, and, and it, to, to Shabazz not being in the rotation anymore, that I think that's solely on Shabazz. It, it's about his play. He hasn't played well enough to earn minutes. Um you, you look at when he's on the floor, the Timberwolves are a minus 21 net rating. I mean, that yeah. is just, that's not good. He feels like the type of guy, tell me if I'm right on this. So in high school, he was a star, one of the best high school players in the country. In college at UCLA for a year, he was the go-to scorer and uh, the guy who needed the ball in the sand on a regular basis. And in the NBA, he's just not going to be that. There's just way too many talented players. He wasn't a top, top draft pick. He was in the, in the teens, borderline lottery pick. He's had a hard time adjusting to that that secondary role in the NBA where you just have to kind of pick two things and be good at them. And he, in his mind, hasn't figured out either that transition to secondary player or he just hasn't figured out the things that he needs to be good at to stick in the NBA in a rotation. And that's a problem because he's been in a very similar role for four years now. I mean, this is a a role that he should have figured out by now. And he's had plenty of opportunity this year. He got the two starts when Jimmy Butler was sick and, and didn't make the most of it. And he's... He's had a chance, a regular time in the rotation, and I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, I've talked to Gorgie Jang about this, 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 you know, accepting the role of coming off the bench and being able to thrive in it. It is one of the more difficult roles to, to perform. You, you've been sitting for who knows how long, sometimes the entire first quarter, which could last 30 to 40 minutes, um, and you've got to be on your game as soon as you hit the floor. And you haven't touched the ball in probably, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes sure. since pregame warm-up, so it's not easy. 
but it's a role that Shabazz has been in for a number of years now. And if you don't perform, you're not going to get more minutes. And so um, from that five-man bench that, that Tibbs went to early on in the season, Shabazz has played his way out of it. And with the injury to Belly, that has really narrowed things down. Now, I think things will be better when Belly does return. When that is is a big question because it's now 10 straight games Why is it so long? that he missed. Um, and it's... You know, when when you first heard that it was the left foot again, obviously your thoughts go back to the end of last season when he had surgery on it. He got hurt in Boston in March and had to have surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you hope that those two things aren't tied together. But um, you know, it's um, it is troubling that it's lasted this long. I think it surprised them that it's lasted this long, and you just hope that it's going to be uh, it's going to be turned around sometime soon. Now, here's my problem though: is is if Tibbs the coach d- doesn't like his bench, I can get that. But Tibbs, the executive, built this bench, built this team. So that's where the, that's where to me this gets very dicey because he's not playing players that he either acquired and or kept. And so at some point in time, he's got to he takes on the responsibility either as coach or executive for building this team and having a, a lot of players that that right now from the outside looks like he just flat out does not trust. I think you've got to separate the two things, uh, you, the head coach and trying to win games and the executive who's putting the roster together. And so I think when you separate those two, you can come up with all sorts of, of questions about how this, how this team was put together and maybe why player X and player Y aren't playing. Um, but, you know, when it comes to trying to win games and let's, you know, Tibbs is about winning games. And again, you know, some of these issues aren't there when you're closing out games like against Dallas. And I said this last night in the broadcast that, you know, you're playing with fire when you allow games to go down to the wire. It comes down to a single play. It it, it comes down to inches. It comes down to off the fingertips, out of bounds. You lose possession. The other team gets it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can make the difference. And when you... When you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Now, obviously, a lot of games are going to come into clutch time. There are just too many good teams in this league and too many competitive matchups, and that will naturally um, have to be decided in a couple minutes. But again, the Wolves have had chances to push that lead. I, I just felt like they had a couple of moments, not only in the Dallas game, but I, I think this has been a common theme throughout the season where they've been just I've been on the verge of making it a double-digit lead or from 15 to 20, from 10 to 15, and they haven't been able to do it. They have... You'll see coaches call timeout, right, to stem momentum, and it just seems like that when the Wolves get momentum going, Brett Brown called a timeout every single time, and that it completely changed the course. And that that that's two minutes of break during those timeout just changed the momentum. And if the Wolves could somehow, you know, let's let's also remember that they are not a finished product yet. This is this is 28 games into the season. Um, they're still learning to play together. They're still learning how to maximize um, the guys they do play on the floor. So uh, this is not a finished product, and and I think they're still learning how to put their foot down on teams, how to gain those bigger leads. And then again, sometimes then we're probably not talking about some of the issues that we are. Yeah, and I think some. And last night this happened. And I don't know if it's because guys were tired or what it was, but they sometimes settle for bad shots when they get that little lead. And okay, yep. uh, we got to stop. So let's just. Let's relax here for a minute. You know, we're, we played forty minutes, and and then you'll jack up a twenty footer. And I know that there's guys who can make that shot, but not at a super high percentage. And so right. you wind up giving away possessions, and then allowing the Clippers to come back down, and then they shoot a three pointer or whatever it may be. Can we, let's come back here. Alan Horton's in studio with us, uh, radio voice of the Timberwolves for the hour, and he provides amazing insight into this team. And um, you know, I we've talked a lot about Andrew Wiggins. I want to take a different approach with our Andrew Wiggins conversation. Instead of me just teeing off and ripping him like I do on a regular basis, I think we should highlight and look at the ways where he could tweak his game to be more efficient and and get to that next level. Because I think there's ways. 
And whether it's just him hitting a roadblock or the team not seeing something, let's get down that path when we come back here. Uh, the Wolves are, like like Alan said, fourth or fifth in the Western Conference. And so, like Jeff Van Gundy told the audience on ESPN last night, hey, shut up and enjoy the wins, Minnesota. It's been a decade and a half. But uh, we'll come back. Alan Horton, Mackie, and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. Put on your big boy pants and let's go. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Uh, quick plug for the Raised by Wolves podcast with Manny Hill and Derek James. Those guys do uh, great work on a weekly basis. You can download or subscribe to the Raised by Wolves podcast, 1500ESPN.com, iTunes, or wherever you would find podcasts. Alan Horton's hanging out with us for the entire hour. He's uh, he's our friend and the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves radio broadcast. You can follow him at Wolves Radio on Twitter and Andrew Wiggins is off to just it's, it's the start to the season through 28 games that you sort of dreaded when, okay, he's been in the league for three years. He's still young. And a lot of those guys make that big jump in their third or fourth season. And in fairness, it's a completely new mix of players. And so there's some, there's some getting used to there. What I hate about his approach on the court, Alan, he's not a good jump shooter. And I know he's put in a ton of work and he got better mm-hmm. last year, but the numbers were still very mediocre, you know, 35% from three um, in the mid thirties from, from long two range. Those numbers have regressed. In fact, I looked this up last night. There's only 20 players in the league who have attempted more long jump shots from 15 feet or further out than Wiggins. So he's up there in terms of sheer attempts of long jump shots with mm-hmm. the Steph Curry's and the Clay Thompson's, but the result is so much different. He is one of the worst percentage shooters from that range in the NBA. And he and he keeps shooting as if he's going to be Clay Thompson getting out of a slump. I think if he could tweak his game, eliminate at least half of those shots. Even if you're wide open and it's in the flow of the offense, so be it. If you're just pulling up on your own and it's not an assisted play, forget it. Get the ball moving. Distrib- use your athleticism to distribute to other players grab rebounds, which he's been doing a little bit better job of lately, and just get to the rim as much as you possibly can. He's great at the rim. That's where he's he's at his best. he's terrible from 15 feet and out. And it's like he needs to flip-flop his approach. Just get to the rim. Get to the rim, dish, distribute. You're going to get five assists per game by drawing the defense, and you can forget about those clunky 20-foot jump shots. I mean, it is easier said than done, but when he's at his best, he's attacking the basket. He's drawing free throws. He's getting into the paint. And and when he shoots from eight feet and in, it's a really good percentage. It's well above league average. Yep. It's about 65%. And and that's where he's at his best. And, you, and I often feel this way about Carl Anthony Towns. I always feel like you should go inside first to get your rhythm going, get some free throws, um, and then work your way out. And I and I think that might be the case for Wiggins, too, because I think as the season has progressed, we've seen him sort of settle for those outside shots more and more. And when your shot isn't falling, that's not the best way to get out of it. Um, it it's to get to the free throw line. He's getting there about five times a game. Um, I, I think the thing with Andrew Wiggins that you have to go back to is is the word expectations. And there were tremendous expectations on him coming out of uh, out of Kansas. And I think I think the expectations and what the reality is are, are are two different things. And I think the expectations need to be need to be switched a little bit. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be this all around player where he gets you seven or eight rebounds a game and five or six assists. He's not going to do what Jimmy Butler is able to do, at least at this point. I, I hope that that's the case. He's still very young and could certainly grow into that role. But um, I, I think you've got to change your expectations for Andrew. He, I think this is a much better role for him being kind of a secondary scorer and a secondary defender. 
defender rather than being the primary scorer and the primary defender. And I think he's still sort of finding his way in this role with especially over these last this last week. You've noticed that when Jimmy's game has um, when his scoring has increased and Jimmy's played incredibly over the last five, six games. Andrew has gone through a prolonged slump here. His shooting is about 32 percent, 33 percent entering last night. And I, I think it's it's like I said, it's a work in progress. They still haven't found that balance between not only those two guys, but but mixing in Carl as well. So what what's the time on, on that? What's your sense? Because you do when the year started, it seemed like Butler deferred a lot, yep. and he was very adamant on trying to distribute the ball. And people said, "Well, you're not you're not you know t- taking the ball enough, Jimmy." And so he started to. What's your sense on on the gelling process here? Then are, are we talking? late this month into January, February, because you do have a lot of different components now uh, trying to find a, a, a pattern together, I guess. Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess I would naturally lean towards the middle of the season, you know, and, and see where this team is then. then. Um, you're right. I think Jimmy did an incredible job early deferring and, and focusing in on all the other little things. Hey, I'm going to make sure that Andrew gets his touches. Cat gets his scoring going. Um, he he's very he, he's perfectly fine not scoring the basketball. Whether it just it's a matter about wins and losses, and that which that's what you have to love about Jimmy Butler because he backs up what he says with his actions. I mean, he really could care less if he gets four points or if he gets 44 points, as long as you get the win. And I think um, he deferred early on to try to get those guys going. And now we're seeing him take more, you know, he's, I think we were in, uh, where was that? I guess we were in Phoenix practicing at Arizona State, and he said, you know, it's time. It's time for me to step up offensively, take some more shots, become more of a scorer. And so I think the team is still transitioning from that kind of that deferring role to now him being the main scorer. But, I mean, he's been incredible with the way he's knocking down shots inside, outside, the big threes last night. I mean, to go for 38 points, it's just um, it's really been fun watching him play. And so not only do I think he's taking that leadership role with, with deferring early, but off the floor as well. Remember there was a home game in which Carl had, got frustrated and was really had a lot of complaints against the referees and stuff. I, Jimmy was crucial in, I think we went down to New Orleans the next night and the Timberwolves came up with a big win. I really thought to bounce back like that on a, on a, on a long trip. Um, and Jimmy, Washington I think, was, game. yeah, lost, they lost to it Washington the at home. Game, yes. right? And then you saw in that New Orleans game, Cat didn't complain one bit. And Cat complained, and Butler t- turned around and basically said, shut up. Yeah, and, and I think he pulled him aside afterwards. It really kind of changed. I saw Jimmy talking with Jamal Crawford, another leader on this team, who's been instrumental in in, in talking to guys and kind of you know coaching them up. And yeah. um, those guys have made a world of difference, not only on the floor, but off the floor. Yeah, let's talk more about uh, the Jimmy Butler effect here. It, he's been super fun to watch. When he yeah. gets into his takeover <laughs> game mode, too, there's... If you if you just if you just had a silhouette of a player and then you put a Dwayne Wade jersey on it from Dwayne Wade's prime, there's some major similarities there where they're just gonna it's a lot of old school isolation, but they can hit a shot from almost anywhere. They can get to the rim at will. Um, Energizer Bunny never really gets tired. Yeah, and I so on the court, I think he's been great. I think just some of the younger players watching the way that his energy never dips. Right. And this is hey, if you want to win big time in the NBA. Maybe not every night in the regular season, but when it when it counts, this is where your energy level should be. Yeah. So he's showing those guys that. What else have you sort of observed about Jimmy Butler behind the scenes and around the team? Yeah, I mean, just he he has stepped in and be, and become the leader of this team. I, I I really, even though I don't think he would proclaim it that this is my team, he is the leader of this team. And uh, what's jumped out to me is you know we only saw him twice a year, you know, with Chicago, and and sometimes if he missed a game, you'd only see him once a year. But his size, I, I love the fact that he is a physical, large player who can take advantage of mismatches against 
against smaller opponents. And he can take you inside. He can take you outside. He just has a knack. I mean, he drew a foul on Embiid last night where, you know, it's not all about being the fastest player on the floor. If you've got the ability to change speeds, and I think Teague is very good at this too, where you drive, (laughs) slow down, then go again. Um, He checked up with Embiid on his back and and used the contact to kind of propel him to the rim and he finished a three-point play. Mm -hmm. Little things like that are just uh, fun to watch because those are the little nuances that Jimmy Butler, that he grasps and understands and can convert on, um, where I think where where, in comparing to Towns and Wiggins, those guys are still, still learning that stuff. I mean, they're still early on in their careers. Do you sense that that he also is is a conduit for Tibbs? Because I no mean that, that was the expectation. I yeah. think I think on draft night when Tibbs was giddy for for him, he was definitely like that. My sense was okay. He's got an all star type player, but most importantly, this if he has any hope of of having a player convey his thoughts, it it, it was a Butler. Yeah, it hit me in uh, San Francisco. We were practicing at uh, a, a gym, you know, athletic club downtown in San Francisco, and we were allowed in after practice, and we're going through interviews and stuff. But you could just tell the mood was different, and obviously, it's different this year from last year because you're winning versus losing. But Jimmy has been that conduit between Tibbs and the players, and the guys were throwing a football around, and and they were, you know, not goofing around. They were they were kind of working out and stuff. But there was a different air about things, and I and I think Jimmy has lightened that. I think Jamal has been the same way. Obviously, Taj has been incredible during his time here. Um, Taj, uh, Tibbs is absolutely in love with Taj Gibson, and and what's not to love? I mean, this guy is low maintenance. He goes about his work so professionally. Um, he's he's averaging career high in rebounds, and even his assists and steals are up. Free throw shooting, um, and so I think those guys have made a big difference in. Because uh, Tibbs came in here as, you know, he's very set in his ways and he is a hard nosed, you know, uh, win at all cost type coach. And I think I think the players kind of it's tough to warm to somebody like that who may not be. Um, I don't know if he's not social, but he's it, other coaches might be a little more friendly toward their guys and have better relationships. But so I think Jimmy has been able to step in and, and be able to be that conduit, as you yeah, said. It's uh, like watching. I, I'm just waiting for Tom Thibodeau one time this season. Spend five minutes just sitting on the bench. How about we just let's take a? We need like the Tom Thibodeau five minutes of sitting on the bench in the third quarter. He started. Has it been five minutes all year? So I I noticed. I think it was. Was it? It was like two or three games ago. I'm trying to think of which game it was. It was a road game, and he started the first minute, the first 58 seconds. Because I looked at the clock on the t on the uh, the TV broadcast, and it was 11:02 remaining in the first quarter, and he hops up off the bench to to just go holler at an official. And then he didn't sit down the rest of the game. Yeah, and you know what? There haven't been many games, blowout-wise, either plus or minus, that that you would then sit on the bench for most of the fourth quarter. There have been a lot of close games that the Timberwolves have been in. That's just not his style. I mean, he is up constantly, <laughs> and you can hear the audio, whether it's on radio or on TV, or you're there in the arena, you can hear him be on the officials right from the opening how, tip. How does he not get more tees? That's the yeah, it's it incredible. Does, he does free freaks out of the, it's it one white noise. It one. amazes me they don't tee him up. He was on I the court think, last night late. He was like on the court yelling well, at an official. He, he almost collided with the official. Yeah. I think I mentioned that. He was trying to get the Wolves to foul. It was late. It must have been in overtime or regulation. Probably overtime. Yeah. And uh, he almost collided with one of the officials. Who, he was so far out on the floor. Who was the guy? So Tibbs, a home game like a month ago, goes apoplectic, right? And he's yelling and screaming. And the official, it gets quiet. And you can hear him say, Tibbs! 
And he starts explaining to him. It, yes. was, the first five, it was the first like yes. 10 seconds of the game. Yes. And it was yeah. deathly quiet in there. And, and it was on the far side. It was and hilarious. they stopped the game. Yes. And I don't know if Tibbs thought that the that the ref would not respond to him. But then they got in that cross-court conversation when we're all listening in. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was only like the first couple of minutes of the game. It's it was like, incredible. Tibbs, Tibbs, this is what I'm doing. He's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, the referees know who they're dealing with. They know coaches. They know whether they, if they got a Spurs game, they know to deal with Pop. They know Tibbs's track record. And I think... Um, there, there's some kind of understanding there. What that understanding is, I'm not sure, but it's um, it's an understanding because he's only gotten one technical all season. Yeah, it's the uh, Alan Horton's with us here in studio you know, at Wolves Radio on Twitter. He's the radio uh, voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And we can mix in your phone calls if you guys want to uh, talk some basketball here. Timberwolves, NBA, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. What are your thoughts on Wiggins uh, so far this season? Mike, you're on the show. Hey, guys, good show. Um, just got a question. Uh, is there any concern over Carl Anthony Towns when we play the teams that have tougher big guys up front? And I'm thinking, you know, we lost both games to the Pistons, and then he had his worst game, I think, was it against New Orleans when they have the two big guys? And it seems to me when they start roughing him off, up, he doesn't really have a lot of help down there, so he goes out and he starts shooting the three. And I... I'm just wondering if you're thinking, do do we, is he not the real rough and tough guy that we might need underneath? Yeah, I think that's I mean, a good call, Mike. Lots of, I, lots of great, you know, a lot of great talent, but it seems like the games with the big guys, the rough guys, that he kind of backs off. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, and I think that New Orleans game, um, he's basically getting double teamed. It's something about when he gets together with Cousins and uh, Davis, uh, there's some kind of Kentucky pride going there because those guys go hard at each other. And and Cat was just basically getting hit from both sides from both those guys. But I think it's a part of Cat's um, development. I mean, let's he's only in his third year. He's going up against guys. Cousins has been around now. Davis even has a couple of years on him. Andre Drummond has been in this league a while. Um, that's part of the maturation process that, that he has to learn how to do deal with different type of defenders uh, and and not only at, on the offensive end but the defensive end as well um in dealing with some of these guys and i and i think that will come uh, we see cat get get frustrated he can get frustrated with the officials we can see him try to do too much where he starts to flail a little bit he's been picking up offensive fouls as he as he kind of swings his arms out and try to create space and did last night late yeah he did and it's just um you know it, it's it's a little bit where you just kind of kind of dial it down a little bit and trust his trust his talent because um, he should be able to get shots off against these guys. He doesn't need to do that, but I think he just gets amped up a little bit and, and is just trying too hard. But I think the bottom line is yes, uh, he has struggled against some of those guys, and and you know everybody has some weak spots. Andre Drummond has struggled against guys. Demarcus Cousins obviously has his own issues. So does Anthony Davis. Um, and I and I think that will come for Cat. I think as you continue to go through this league time and time again and match up more and more against those guys, um, you become better. I, I fully expect him to be able to handle those kind of guys in the future. And even with that, and yeah, I think I think it's a great call by by Mike because you do notice that where he'll just he'll yeah. just kind of get muscled out or whatever and, it is. And, and if I was going up against Cat, I think that'd be my game plan too. Foster him, yeah. Yes. Throw doubles at him. Be physical with him, um, and get him frustrated. He's still able to get his offense off, though, because I'm going to go a little bit stat geeky here. Uh, they have uh, a measurement called effective field goal percentage in the NBA, which sure. takes into account three point uh, your, your three point shooting and your two point shooting, and the three points is worth more than two, obviously, and it puts it into one percentage. It, it's act, let me interrupt you for a second. It's actually a stat that we've been pushing for. You know, field goal percentage 
is is a very outdated term. It's two dimensional. It, it's like batting average. It, it's the the three is such a big part of the game that field goal percentage doesn't do you much. You can shoot forty percent, but tell me about the threes. That's right. what's more important. If so you if shoot forty percent and and all you shoot is threes, that's wildly successful. Absolutely. But if you shoot forty percent and all you're taking are long twos, well, okay, now we have to talk. Carl Anthony Towns has a better effective field goal percentage. I'm just going to list off a few names here. Then the Greek Freak, James Harden, Damian Lillard. Uh, he's he's equal with Steph Curry in terms of effective field goal percentage. He has a better percentage this season by far than Joel Embiid in that category. Kyrie Irving. So it, in terms of just how efficient is he offensively among the elite players in the NBA, and that's with the flaws. Yep. it's um, yeah, I think sometimes we get lulled into... Um, just a standard 25-12 game for Cat. That that's a special night, but it's routine for Cat. And mm-hmm. and and it's just um, you know, the other night he had a big stat line where he had four assists, he had four blocks and two steals. And and you go back and look at it, and it's only been done, you know, it was the only time in the NBA somebody's done that this year. And you're just like, whoa, you 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 kind of get woken up to the fact that Cat is is an incredible player. And yeah. it's he's something special. And he's not done yet. I mean, this is, again, just his third season. Alan Horton hanging out with us, talking Timberwolves. We can mix in your phone calls. Dan and Brandon, you guys will be right off the bat here in just a couple of minutes. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. We should get into, something is happening in the NBA, something historic and incredible that we should get into uh, in the Western Conference. And also, how much do minutes matter in the NBA and as it pertains to the Timberwolves. But before we go anywhere, I want to tell you guys about the experience I had with Chris Lindahl and his team last winter. And I've been working with Chris behind the scenes for the last year and even before that uh, with the sale of my condo. And I I went in kind of skeptical. I said, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you guys might be pricing this too high. Maybe you're a bit too confident with your marketing abilities and your networking. Uh, No, they sold my condo for far more than I even imagined in my head. And I was doing a lot of research because the Chris Lindahl team is the best maybe in the country when it comes to marketing. I mean, you see his mug on all the billboards around town. You can't miss him. And this holiday season, you got from now until Friday to enter for a free listing contract with the Chris Lindahl team. Someone's going to get their house sold for free with the full expert marketing that goes with it. All you have to do is visit the website, chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Or call 763-401-SOLD. 763-401-SOLD. Chris Lindahl, the number one REMAX results team. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. A lot of people consider that the second greatest radio team in Minnesota history. Mackey and Judd. Behind (laughs) Joe and Pat. On 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd, we're hanging out with Alan Horton, our buddy from the Wolves Radio Network. You can follow him at Wolves Radio. He is the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been diving into Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler. tunes, too. That's good, Alan. And Alan's a big top 40 music guy, too. I do that. I I hear a lot of it in in, in arenas. (laughs) I'll end up humming a tune or something like that on the air. What what song did they play in OT last night that that you commented on and said they're doing the deep tracks? Horton, I'm listening to the game driving home, and you're like, they're reaching into the deep tracks here at Target Center. It's funny because you you know it, it, I I know the playlist. I I can't name you any of the tunes, but I recognize them whenever they play them. 
But then when you get to overtime, they must have just played through all their playlists, and they're so deep on their playlist that I'm like, wow, I have not heard this in a long time. We are, we are really deep into the uh, into the evening when they're playing this. Black Eyed Peas from early 2000s. You're like, okay, this is... It was uh, almost midnight. That's why. It was like wow. 1120. It's, it's just incredible. So, I didn't get home to about 1230. I mean, by the time you get out of there and do some post-game stuff, it's just... Uh, but, the, you know, that's the life of a good team. This is a good problem Correct. to have. And you're playing... Unfortunately, the central time zone teams get really... Um, they get screwed with the, the second of a doubleheader. Mm-hmm. You get lucky if you get the first game, but oftentimes you're the second. It's amazing how many NBA teams there are in the central time zone. I mean, all the Texas teams and um, even New Orleans and Oklahoma City and Memphis all the way up to, to yeah. Milwaukee and Chicago and us. And so, want to get your thoughts in a second here on minutes. There's there's a, there's a big debate about you know, are we are we projecting too much in terms of you know future uh, crisis here with the minutes that these guys are playing right now? But let's get to a couple calls six five one six four six eight two five five. Dan, you're on with Mackie and Judd and Alan Horton. Hey guys, I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say that after watching yesterday's game, uh, I begrudgingly have to admit that I'm starting to agree with Phil Mackey, which is really, really tough to admit. But um, I think uh, the whole it's okay, Dan. There's a support. There's, <laughs> there's a support group. A large group. Dave and Judd are part of it. Royce, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, Phil. I usually actually do agree with you, but uh, the whole Wiggins thing. He just doesn't seem like he can play with Butler, and that seems to be a problem for a lot of our guys, and that. Butler is so great at creating and driving to the hoop, but then instead of, I wish Butler would just go up with a shot or try to draw a foul, because I mean, so many times last night he would just kick it out to guys like Wiggins who are wide open, and they just cannot throw the ball into the ocean, you know, even Jamal Crawford, I thought I was a big Crawford fan, and I like him as a person, but he's not a knockdown three-point shooter either, and we just need to get some Kyle Corvers out there who can just hit an open shot, so uh, it's kind of scary to me that we're paying Wiggins Thirty million a year, or whatever it is, um, and he's basically just shooting wide open threes that he can't make. Um, but I'm actually more worried about Towns. I've been watching Towns a ton lately, and I'm starting to worry that he seems to be so, so focused on getting his points. Or I mean, when he doesn't get a call, and we have to listen to that god awful foul screech sound he makes when he's whining to the ref. Um, <laughs> but then you watch him on the way down on defense. Forget the fact that he routinely gets beat down the floor by whatever big he's guarding, but he just doesn't try on defense after that. So, and, and even when we're up by five, six points or whatever, when he has a an empty possession, he misses a wide open three, which he takes too many of. He just instead of kind of compensating on defense and and you know zero summing out that negative offensive possession, he just he he's a dog on D. So I guess I'm kind of wondering what Alan Horton thinks about. Uh, I mean, I know he cares, but it just kind of seems like does he care about the right things, you know? Because, uh, yeah, that just that just he's you watch him. I mean, he's just a dog on defense when so, he's not contributing at offense. So, so to sum it up, Dan is super high on the Wolves, and he's all in. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Dan. Appreciate it. I, one thing I'll add, and I, I let Alan run with this, but I don't think Towns takes too many three pointers. He's shooting thirty six percent from downtown. No, I think he's fine. He's about three and a half a game. Three and a half a game. He's yep. shooting thirty six percent. That's a that's a a slightly above league average, I think, percentage, and it's it's efficient. So if you were taking like seven per game, okay, let's let's pump the brakes. But yeah, it's no, I think that balance is pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm I'm happy with that balance right there. Um, Dan, there was a lot there. Good question, uh, good call, and there's a lot there with the three point shooting. Wiggins, Towns. Um, I will say that Cat. I think um, you know 
like I said earlier, we have to remember he's played he's played two and a half seasons, and it's not only his offensive game still developing, but his defensive game is still developing. And and I thought he you know I thought he had a really good rookie year defensively. I really thought, wow, with Tibbs coming in, um, can he become? I, I really think he's got the tools to be in the conversation for a defensive player of the year, just like Tibbs did with Joakim Noah. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case last year, and I think he's gotten better over the last. Six or seven games, I think you'll find that his defensive rating, you know, you can read what you want into that, but it's it's something. It is, uh, it's Cat's been the, the Timberwolves' best defender. And I think we saw it there at the end of the third quarter. Um, you know, you guys have played the highlight of him, uh, Embiid stepping through on him in the Ole defense, the Matador defense, but Towns had a couple incredible blocks. And you mentioned it early on in the, in the show, Phil, that, um, at the end of the third quarter, that really triggered the Timberwolves back the other way. That end of the third, that place was hopping last night, and it was all keyed by Cat's defensive play. I just think there has to be a greater attention to detail there. Um, there's got to be a better balance to just focusing on offense like the like he and Wiggins did last year. Um, you've got to have both ends of the floor covered. I think that defense will come. I think it's been better, and I think we saw some, um, some of it last night, the fact that he had three or four, I don't know what he finished with, three or four blocks last night. And the Timberwolves, you know, when he's active – Blocking shots, they had won 13 straight games when he had three or more blocks, and that course ended last night. But um, I, I think Cat is still obviously a work in progress. I think what's, what's really concerning over the last now 13 games, the Timberwolves are being outscored by about four made threes a game. So that's 12 points you're trying to make up in other areas. They've been good on twos. They've been good getting to the free throw line. They're good on the offensive glass. But that's a big deficit to make up every night, and that's eventually over the long haul, you're fighting an uphill battle. And you can either close the gap by playing better defense on opponents' three-point shooting or by hitting more yourself. Yeah. And there's not a lot of guys on this roster who are going to bust out like a J.J. Redick. They've got they've got a lot of solid, respectable three-point shooters, yep. but nobody that you would look at and say, oh, that's a sniper. Yeah, they have we no can snipers. rely on him. Who I mean, should make more then? I mean, well, early on, they were hitting enough. They were shooting about 38%. Now I think they've dipped here over the last 13 games to about you know, 33%, probably after last night, down to about 32%. And that's really, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but ideally, early on in the season, it was Teague hitting a couple. Andrew could not, Belly was knocking down, not a tremendous number because he wasn't getting a whole right. a lot of volume, but he was hitting one or two a game. Um, and then you kind of sprinkle it around. I mean, Jimmy and Cat and Teague Wiggins. can hit that shot. Teague can hit that shot. And, yeah. and he, I think he picks his moments really well. Um, you kind of forget about him that all of a sudden he'll just dribble into a three and and they make it look pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, I, th- I think overall Jeff Teague has been a, a very solid, steady force at point guard. For you know the what Wolves I love season. about his offensive game, and this is something we haven't had with with Ricky Rubio at the point. Ricky never developed a floater shot yeah. in the paint outside the rim. Obviously, we know Ricky struggles at the rim, but you know when you're a point guard in this league and you're undersized and you're going inside, you've got to be crafty. You've got to go off the wrong foot. You've got to be able to finish with the right hand, the left hand, a scoop, a floater. And I, I mean, a floater. Wiggins has kind of gotten that shot down a little bit now, and that's part of his success inside that eight foot range that we talked about earlier. Um, but Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler has that shot. You know, a little floater, a little teardrop. Uh, it, it's a beautiful sight when it goes in. Uh, Sprewell was the original founder of the the floater in New York from like the late nineties. From at least from my life, watching the '90s uh, Knicks. Brandon, you're on with Mackie and Judd and Alan Horton. Hey fellas, how you doing today? What's going on, man? Uh, well, you know, uh, I, in, in sports talk, I don't always find myself being the voice of reason. I'm pretty quick to hit the panic button, but it's, it's almost pretty comical how short memories are in this town, uh, and how quickly we forget. You know, the seemingly 35 years that it's been have had a good team. I mean, they're in first place, they're the four seats, the last, and here we are 
dissecting them on the radio, what's wrong with them. People are acting as if they're the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are 12 and 14 and can't figure out how in the world to play with each other. I mean, these, these Timberwolves have been able to win games. They've won big games. They've been in games. Yes, they have given up leads late. I mean, they're up by eight or nine in the fourth quarter last night against Philly. But to, to try and continue to affect the team rather than take a step back and go, look, yes, they have admitted struggles. You know, yes, they probably do need another three-point shooter. While ignoring the fact that while they have these struggles, they're still in first place in their division. They're still a four seed in the West. Other teams are struggling to figure things out. The Wolves are as well, but the Wolves are continuing to maintain a first-place finish in their division. I'm, I'm not saying that they're not going to go on a six, seven-game losing streak and bottom out. Every team is possible and capable of that. But, I mean, I just think people are panicking way too much and worrying about things. I, I agree completely with what Al Horton said. I think the defense is getting better. And the idea that these players can't play together, is, it's kind of comical, but it's a reality, isn't it? I mean, you sit here and say you've got all these great players together and you're watching All-Star game but they really need to have to feel off each other. They haven't even played 30 games together yet. Yeah. I mean, in the preseason and everything, you never know what you're going to get from these guys game after game. I think we just need to calm them down a little bit and appreciate that we have a good basketball team that is figuring things out, but they're in first place while they're figuring it out. You know, Brandon, how dare you call in with a level-headed take? I mean, that is just... <laughs> calming down, get is, out calming of here. down is absolutely no fun, Brandon. <laughs> get off our phone lines. That's Brandon. not fun. <laughs> Thanks for the call, man. I appreciate yeah. it. I mean, that's echoing what I said earlier about, you know, looking at the minutiae versus the bigger picture. And yes, it's it, that's, the, that's the, the incredible positive thing is that you're still figuring this out while still winning. That is absolutely crucial because you could be in a situation like you're the Dallas Mavericks and start 2-14 and 14 and you are absolutely buried. You know, um, the L.A. Clippers are absolutely buried because yeah. of their injuries. They're du- you just can't, you cannot make a run. There's going to be no Miami Heat of the second half of last season yep. in the Western Conference. Conference. You cannot get buried, and the Wolves have gotten through this stretch where they put themselves in a really good spot. Yeah, let's come back. Uh, Alan Horton hanging out with us. Uh, there, there's something incredible happening in the Western Conference that uh, if it keeps continuing on like this, it'll be a historical uh, achievement. Let's get to that and uh, and more here. Plus, our quarterback cesspool challenge in the noon hour and some interesting Twins hot stove updates around noon and Toyotathon is going on right now at Luther Brookdale Toyota. Before we go anywhere, I want to tell you guys about a big opportunity for you to get into the Toyota you want. Some of these brand new 2018 models, like for instance, the Camry with upgraded exterior, amazing new safety features and uh, the Entune app screen, all upgrades, $189 per month on a three-year lease. Uh, just, you know, a reasonable down payment on that 2018 Camry lease. How about a 2018 RAV4 for just $199 a month? That's one of the most popular, durable SUVs in the world right now. And customer cash is part of Toyotathon, available on 21 different models. Also, 0% financing on 15 different models. It's Toyotathon, the biggest sales event of the year at Luther Brookdale Toyota, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, a place my family and I have been going to for 30-plus years, and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You guys are spoiled. You guys are lucky to have these guys. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, it's been a fun hour talking Wolves basketball, taking some of your phone calls. Alan Horton, our friend from the Minnesota Timberwolves radio broadcast, the voice of the Wolves, uh, at Wolves Radio on Twitter is hanging out with us. We'll get to some Twins hot stove rumors and news and updates in about 10 minutes from now, and then a quarterback cesspool challenge. We got some Vikings news, too, by the way. Oh, wow. Boy. 
be a big noon hour mm-hmm. for the uh, for the show. I got two things I got to mention real quick. Yeah, fire away. Uh, Matt on on Twitter is listening in and is enjoying the Timberwolves talk, and uh, he makes a good point. Butler shutting down Ben Simmons last night was special. Held yeah, him scoreless until about the last ninety seconds of that game at regulation. How about that? Now, um, the, now the credit to Ben Simmons is as a young player. He could be shut down on the scoreboard mm-hmm. and still dish out a bunch of assists, grab rebounds, and play defense. And turn it over seven times. And do but, that. Uh, yeah, almost, he's still a little loose. Double. <laughs> he's still a little loose with the basketball. But, man, a 6'10 frame. And he's just – Brett Brown mentioned the word poise before the game, and uh, he shows tremendous poise. Also, the reason we were in overtime last night is our, our, our statistician. You guys know uh, Dave Handelin, our super, at Superstats Dave. Yep. Jinx the game beforehand. I've got to call him out. Public shaming. You know, you never do this in whatever broadcast you're doing. Hey, it's going to be fun in overtime tonight. He said that pregame. What? And, of course, what happens? We go to overtime. Super Dave. That I, is I'm terrible. Thinking about sending, terrible. I'm thinking about sending him down to the G League for that's, the Iowa Wolves for a couple wow. of weeks. I, it's that, it's yeah, that go serious. Go run stats for Justin, bad, Justin Patton. Okay? That's as bad as during the course of, of a baseball game saying, you oh, know what? This, this game's moving along. Yes. This game's moving you quick. You don't do it. You don't say it. You it, never say it's it. It's bomb on an airplane. It, it, it really yeah. is. Yeah. It's that serious. It really is. I was upset for the entire night. And then when we went to overtime, <laughs> our engineer, Mike Weber, who works here, uh, was just looking at each other going, man, what are we going to do? This is, and you can't laugh that off. There has to be consequences to it. So, you know, a Amen. public shaming is just the beginning Amen, of, brother. of Dave's it. penance. Uh, real quick, I want to bring this up. Yep. This is just really interesting to me. The uh, the Houston Rockets are averaging 115 points a game. Now the Warriors are averaging 117 points per game, so they're both those offenses are just ridiculous. So the the Rockets are doing it in a really unique way, though, in terms of percentages of of the shots that they take. 52 percent of their shots come from three point range. Yep. 32 percent of their shots come from point blank range yep. inside the three rim. feet. So. They've taken this analytics wave, and they've kind of been the pioneers over the past five or six years. And then the Mike D'Antoni fun ball system from Phoenix 10 mm-hmm. years ago. And they've put the whole thing on steroids. So basically, 85% of their shots come from three-point range or point blank. Yep. It's and the most probably efficient about, scoring team yeah, in the NBA. And probably 13 or 14% more come from the free throw line. So you've got the three, you've got the rim, you've got the free throw line. And, they, and that's they, it. They take one or two mid-range shots a game. That's it's, insane. It's incredible. The yeah. shot chart's great to watch. Yeah, it's, it's like it, it's just amazing. One and, shot here, every other shot here. And I don't here. think there's been any problems, even though Chris Paul was injured. Um, it, they've been incredible with Chris Paul and James Harden playing together, playing separately. They've got three-point shooters. It's just, um, you know, I, it, I, I'm not looking forward to playing the Rockets no, four times four this times. year. Do we want that with our basketball, though? I know that that's the most efficient way to score points if you can if you can do it. But to, to basically eliminate everything from three feet out to the three-point line where and have it go away. I, I will say the last couple of years they've been doing that. It hasn't been fun to watch. I don't think it's an enjoyable um, – to hmm. me, it's it hasn't been an enjoyable brand of basketball. When we've gone down there and seen them just jack up three after three after three, um, there are some other nuances of the game that are kind of fun. A post-up is fun. Uh, you know, a, a, a floater, floater in the lane. Right. <laughs> right. You're taking away the floater. Got, we just got a you floater. You old man, you <laughs> – you old school, old basketball, school. Yeah. basketball guys. Yeah. yeah, a little elbow jump shot, okay? That's the, the Gorgie Jang elbow jump Why shot. didn't yep. that, that work in L.A. when D'Antoni went there? Uh, just well, the talent Col- they Kobe had. Kobe Bryant. I mean, I mean what, you had Dwight Howard and... Um, yeah. Yeah, you, you had so he had the Kobe wrong personnel the completely. Okay. You had Steve Nash that didn't yeah. you know, happen. They didn't have the talent around you. Just didn't, didn't Yeah, they didn't it. have any... And plus, like, is Kobe going to play in a... In a 
three and, and you know, just wing wing every shot within ten seconds. Kobe is an isolation, old school grind down. He's more long post up. That's right. what he is. Yeah, that was a weird fit from the get go. That Mike D'Antoni LA thing. It was. It was, and it didn't work in New York either. For I think the same reason. It, it just, right. just you have to have the talent. I mean, that's sure. why those guys win. It's why Phil Jackson won. It's why you know. It's it's just you got to have talent on your team. You got James Harden, you got Chris Paul now, and and I think they're going to give uh, Golden State a run for their money. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming in. You got it, guys. It awesome. Super fun, man. Alan Horton, the radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's come back here. Vikings news, Twins hot stove updates, and also our quarterback cesspool challenge. It's Mackie and Judd.